paid your taxes on it, like you earned it, you paid all your income taxes, it's legal, sure, put it wherever. That sounds a little too rosy now that I think about it. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I'm your host and moderator, Anthony Strain, and today I'm joined by Art Black. How's it going? And Matteo DeGaulle. Hey. And this is Crowdsource Politics. On this episode, we'll be discussing the role tax havens play in our uh, political system and uh, why it's important to talk about it now. Without further ado, let's start the show. So um, I think a lot of our listeners probably know a, a decent bit about the uh, basic structures of tax havens, at least, at least on a macro level about like what they do and that sort of thing. But I think one of the primary examples that I'm, that I'm sure that a lot of people might be aware of but need a refresher on is the Panama Papers. So for those of you all that don't know, the Panama Papers were a leak of documents from Mo, Mozak Francesca. The company basically is one that is specializes in boutique uh, creation of shell companies. They registered thousands upon thousands of shell companies throughout the Virgin British Islands and uh, Panama and other other tax havens across the, the globe. And what they did was basically sold these companies and worked as trustees to said to these companies for people with capital assets in order to shelter them from the uh, various governments of the world. Is that more or less the, uh, the gist of it? Yeah. Uh, yes. All right. Well, so that's the the long story short of the Panama Papers. That's the very one, you know, couple sentence uh, reduction of what what happened. Um, but why why was this able to be done? How what within the tax code within the host countries allows people to set up uh, legal entities in order to transfer money back and forth? Like, are there are there um, legitimate reasons for this, or is this all nefarious? Uh, there are legitimate reasons. Like, uh, you want to protect your assets. Um, some people they don't live in, you know, a great government where you know their assets may be seized one day, and they want to protect them from that. There are certain currency restrictions or certain uh, trading restrictions certain companies have to follow that they can get around if they just have it. Uh, like, uh, if they just run the business through a shell company, so there are good reasons to form a shell corporation but uh at the same time it also lets people launder money and hide criminal activity right and um what are one of the uh the major vehicles for for this uh hiding of assets uh, besides the shell company itself because they're because you can't just take money and transfer it without triggering various um statutes for checking to see if the money is is being um money laundered from various governments and that sort of thing what 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 is uh what's one of the bigger vehicles for that uh, i think when they do form the shell cor corporation they buy a product overseas something that like uh like the domestic corporation would have to pay taxes on mm -hmm. they'll just mark it up sell it to the corporation in the domestic area and the profits will stay in the shell corporation that way uh it just kind of shovels the money out and they, it's just, it's a way of shifting profits outside of a tax jurisdiction because that right, uh, so, shell corporation is outside of the, the country. So it doesn't have to pay the taxes. 
So would it would like real estate be a good uh or not well a good vehicle for it or are we talking like patents like what are we talking about like everything? Uh, I mean, yeah, anything that you want to not pay taxes on, like if you're a U.S. company and whatever overseas profits that you get taxed on, you want to avoid, you just transfer it through a shell company. Well, it's not just it's not just profits though, right? So people do um, trust through um, shell corporations too to manage various assets. Um, yeah, I, estate I read... planning stuff like that. I mean, that's just right. It's a lot of legal but services. I read that that vehicles um, are are done where people transfer the ownership of a vehicle to a to a shell company and they're able to avoid taxes on the vehicles that they own by saying it's just. It's a company that owns it, and I rent them, or they just give me access to it. So you don't have to pay taxes. Um, I know real estate is very big, especially within the United States. A lot of uh, shell companies within the U.S., uh, especially from um, from Delaware, are are dealing in real estate to um, shovel money from you know various European countries into the U.S. Uh, there's other there's other aspects too, though. But like what makes it to where that's legal like um i think it's just like a given state will pretty much tell you like they have laws almost like uh making like forcing secrecy for banks instead of like uh okay. a bank could just comply on their own it's more like you right. would violate state law if you do that oh okay so if we're um, talking about like american states cuz i mean right. there's a ton in america i, I think I it's understand. yeah so, so they like maybe a company would be set up in a in a country where they have tight secrecy laws about um, what information can be shared. Art, what are what's your thoughts about it on it? Well, I mean, we're talking about like legitimate or nefarious reasons to have this set up. So, one of the ways to kind of punctuate that is uh, that the leaker of the Panama Papers was actually killed with a car bomb in Malta. Uh, so her name was uh, Daphne uh, Galizia, and uh, a lot of people were apparently involved in this. Uh, they, you know, I guess have three main suspects uh, and another 10 or so people that you, I guess, have been arrested or otherwise under suspicion. But yeah, you had prominent like Maltese businessmen were arrested. Um, I guess there was a governor, uh, someone in their chief of staff who resigned his government post. Uh, Keith Shembury, not great with Maltese names. And so far, none of these people who've been arrested have even been put on trial. So wow. apparently there's a, not only a lot of people involved, you know, in uh, <laughs> blowing this lady's car up, but uh, apparently a lot of pressure to keep it from ever going to court and having, you know, some of these details come out. So right. you're talking about an incredible amount of, you know, power and influence would be necessary for that to be pulled off. And I mean, Malta is not exactly, uh, you know, the hub of, you know, open society or anything, but uh, it's still pretty interesting that you could have a just broad daylight assassination like that. And, uh, you know, for, a, you know, obviously criminally, you know, connected reason. And uh, yeah, you're certainly dealing with aspects of, you know, international uh, finance and crime you, that affects the very largest of players and people who mm -hmm. will absolutely 
uh, you know, come after you and kill you for releasing this kind of information. So, Putin. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, probably people within you know his orbit, you know, the Russian oligarchs uh, and a lot of the Central Asian money. Uh, is, that's a, a crossroads where you have uh, a lot of different you know, bad people from all over. You know, also looking to park money alongside of you know just your regular you know large corporations who you know for their own accounting you know find reason to get around these systems. Right, and and uh, it should be probably noted that while we're we're talking a lot of nefarious uh, things, and we mentioned there's some legitimate um, concerns such as most offshore oh. banking really is just boring, not bad yeah. stuff. It's almost always just stuff we wouldn't even care about, but this stuff usually is what makes it seem so uh, intriguing. I, I caveat that with saying that you have people who are, you know, trying to get out of their own tax laws within their countries. And while that yeah. is certainly legal, you know, as to whether or not it's ethical or should be allowed, you know, is probably another question. And, you know, certainly when you have, let's say, like Carnival Cruises, which is also uh, flagged out of Panama, yep. and then they have these horrible problems due to coronavirus, and then they try to come out and say, oh, but we're an American company. You know, we need help. No, you know, screw them. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not. I would not give them anything. They could no. ask Panama for money. But that's what I'm saying is that, that that's where this gets interesting is that they are going to the government. The government is helping them out. And, you know, if you're going to allow that sort of, you know, tax, you know, opportunism, you know, that should come with some risk and reward. And, you know, the uh, obvious risk here would be that if you need your government for help and you're parking all of your money overseas, you know, it's safe for them. I think it's fair for us to turn around and, you know, say, look, you know, if you don't want to pay taxes in America, you know, go, go exactly. Go ask the Panamanian government. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would not yeah. give them anything. They're not an American company. Like, why would we be bailing out Panamanian companies? It's just that that's Trump protect shareholders at all costs. That's annoying. I didn't know we were actually helping them. Yeah. But, um, what I was going to say was that uh, the typical reason that people hear that used to hear about uh, shell companies or, or protecting assets overseas was to was rich, generally men trying to hide assets from their wives in case anything went south. Yeah, well, and if you're some you know oligarch in you know some country where you've been ripping it off and stuff you know stuffing money away. It's a good idea to have it held overseas. So if there's some coup and you get deposed, then you can always, you know, flee and access your money from uh, the south of France. Yep. Yeah. If I am a person doing things globally, like whether I put it in Panama or, you know, the the nicest, you know, Angela Merkel's apartment, you know, the greatest place it could possibly be. If the if the U.S. government can't touch that, and I did that to avoid the U S government touching that, I don't think that should necessarily be illegal. I think like if they were to ever bring it back to America, they should have to pay taxes on it. But at the same time, they should be allowed to put it into another country if they want to. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, you know, that's largely it is it. A lot of these rules are written specifically, you know, with loopholes for these very large corporations in mind. So they can, you know, be based out of Dubai or based out of Ireland, park their money in Panama or wherever, and still operate as a U.S. corporation, but basically with advantages. You know, you're you're kind of sidestepping, you know, certain requirements, but still getting all the benefits. So I think that that's where most people have the biggest issue with it is that 
it is fundamentally unfair if you get large enough to a certain point where you you know have you know access to this international structure where you can basically just hide money from your host government. Uh, certainly, it's good for your shareholders. You know, it's probably not great for society. So, you know, that's where that trade-off would be. I mean, you can't hate people for using the laws and trying to be as clever with their money as what the law will allow. You know, this is a question of maybe looking at the laws we have and not letting extremely wealthy people uh, write them. So do we do we have a clear understanding of the laws within the within at least the United States that allow this to be a thing? Um, is it the you know our overly generous um, corporate tax structure for overseas profits? Is it you know the 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 idea that people should be able to remain anonymous when they create a company, or the the idea that we should be able to like trade with anybody for anything? Like what do what are those? What are what are the underlying causes of this? I think it's just uh, a mandate of secrecy for these certain banking activities. Like they vowed to keep your identity safe. They'll protect your, all your assets, everything. It's, it's just, you can't, certain international entities can't touch these bank accounts where mm-hmm. they would in normal banks. Right. I say normal banks, but I'm thinking of the U S when I say that and the U S is probably the biggest source of shell companies. <laughs> Now, especially with the changes that happened since 2010, um, or no, even before then, I think it might have been 2006. Delaware's huge tap uh, corporate tax haven. Yeah, I think Delaware specifically has laws saying like keep this stuff secret, but I'm not too sure actually. I'm almost certain though. There's actually laws like forbidding certain things. And a lot of uh, one of the things to important to know is that um, at least within the overseas market for the uh, corporate tax uh, corporate structures is that um, even though uh, the, the country might not have a lot of resources itself to be able to do do certain things these corporate entities they still get taxed and might be an extremely low rate but if you have you know a million companies set up in your country that don't actually operate and taking up space but you're taxing them as they're operating in your country that's basically free money for your country to be used on infrastructure or whatever else have you, or, you know, line the pockets of the connected political oligarchs. Oh yeah. And I'm sure it's pretty easy to undercut someplace like New York or California, you know, so Mm -hmm. they're more than happy to offer that low rate. So, um, what, what about the whole, um, ability to money launder? I think a lot of people honestly, um, like feign that they get, what mon- how money laundering works and they don't really actually understand it and these corporate shell companies are great vehicles for money laundering so what what about money laundering like how is that able to be done general like how what what makes it possible and then then we'll get into like okay why are these shell companies good for it probably just because their secrecy they could cook the books with no problem no one's gonna be like hey what's going on over here there's no irs or anything to kind of pierce that veil so they don't have the the amount of accountants to make sure that their books aren't crooked to they don't have the laws to put accountants into a position to kind of audit their books it's the cayman islands they're not going to do anything about it they're not going to look at you you could right 
be the shadiest company in the world. And they're like, they're just happy as long as you're paying them. Okay. Well, right. And if you have like, let's say somewhere like the Cayman Islands and you have money that's wired in from like Azerbaijan, then it gets wired over to Dubai, then it gets wired over to, you know, uh, Panama or whatever, you know, it doesn't take very long for the original trail to get concealed when you have these, you know, steps where these people aren't really reporting anyway. And at some point it becomes legitimate. You know, it, it there's, if you want to consider it like a, a pyramid of, uh, you know, credibility, then uh, you might have, uh, you know, you might have to work your way up a little bit to get, you know, out of the weird cesspool uh, of wherever that, you know, money came from. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, it goes into like some real estate deal, which then gets pulled into, you know, whatever other investment. And, you know, the idea is to make the background of the money, uh, you know, complex enough that it's hard to dig into. And using, you know, countries that have very weak transparency laws uh, to help uh, accommodate that. Okay. So uh, so basically what we're saying is that um, a a shell company can be used to artificially inflate the amount of money coming into its company because it's shady and they don't have um, uh, good accounting practices, we'll say. And then that is able to, quote unquote, wash the money to make it clean um, by saying, I, it, company XZ uh, took in a million dollars of revenue. You we have the books right here. Here's the proof. Now we can take this million dollars money and revenue and go buy property in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I was going to say, it's not necessarily inflating per se. It's just concealing uh, the origin. Uh, and there's other you know, tricks you can play with it as far as, uh, let's say you could have one entity buy property for a certain amount, and then you could have another entity, you know, or you know, then they sell it to another entity that mm-hmm. buys it for some huge you know, uh, markup. And you can start to kind of, start concealing large amounts of money, you know, over time by, you know, putting stuff that has no, you know, uh, no real discernible background and then saying, oh, this is just profits from a real estate sale. And you, you know, you're able to kind of conceal, especially if they can't see where that money came from, only where it Uh came out of. And you can show them, look, real estate sale. Once you have some kind of legitimate, you know, tracking and you can't really dig too deep into the background of it, you know, it gets pretty complicated. And, you know, when I say pretty complicated, uh, the UN estimates that about 2 to 5% of global GDP is actually laundered. So you know, it's a gargantuan about, it's about uh, anywhere from dollars. like 800 billion it's to massive. 2 trillion a year in US dollars. Yeah. You know, Oof. what they think is a laundered every year in, you know, in a variety of ways. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then, and, and as long as the, the price range for, We'll, well, we, we're talking real estate, so we'll say real estate. As long as the price range isn't too over the top, then nobody's going to question it. They're just be like, oh, somebody really wanted this property, so they paid you know 10% above market value or whatever. Sure. And you know, that sort of thing is easy enough to hide. And you know, even on a lower level, uh, for instance, one thing that the cartels would do in Mexico and you know, do, still do is you could get uh, you know, just let's say you have uh, you know, a million dollars you want to launder. So they'll kidnap people off the street and give them $10,000 and say, hey, you're going to go take this money. You're going to open an account. You're going to deposit the money and then transfer it over to this account. Yep. So you basically have, and you know, the, like they, would, they were doing this with taxi drivers for a while where they would basically, you know, kidnap some family member and, you know, give them a large amount of money 
they would go deposit it and then wire it. And you would basically have these accounts that were getting created out of nowhere with these people with no criminal backgrounds. And in the aggregate, you know, you do that a hundred times, you can start moving a lot of money. And it's a, you know, was for them a pretty easy way. It's not like these guys are going to go to the cops and say, oh, these guys kidnapped me and made me deposit yeah. this money. Like, you know, these guys aren't going to rat on the cartels if you're driving the taxi or anything. No, you're so, dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, you know, the cops wouldn't even want to take a complaint, you know? Yeah. So there's lots of ways from either the real, you know, kind of that, you know, that's kind of a micro level, even though you're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Right. But, you know, there's so many ways to try to take legitimate money or illegitimate money and then push it into the system. So it's just legitimate enough. And then you just kind of keep working it from there, more transactions, more transactions, and just kind of uh -huh. keep it moving to the point where it's just impossible to tell where it originally came from. Gotcha. I think um, one thing that a lot of people know of and probably don't, don't necessarily um, focus in on though is the, the existence of you know cryptocurrency being used as a as a vehicle for money laundering. Uh, it's not necessarily the focus of this episode, but it's also pretty easy to do it that way too, since nobody's tracking the amount of uh, coins being transferred between people, like at all. <laughs> I thought Bitcoin was uh, somehow being tracked. I don't really follow it enough to know, but I thought some guy got caught somehow, and I remember reading someone say, "Oh, that's what you get for using Bitcoin." It, it can be it can be tracked. It's not completely not an anonymized um, simply because the all the transactions exist on the blockchain, but it's a lot harder to do than you know normal people would, or you know a lot harder to account for um, than a simple bank bank transaction. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, I think we covered the uh, the whole what is being done with you know these shell companies and, and how they work as, as money laundering vehicles and tax havens and the sort of thing. So why, why is this important to world governments in general? And we just did our episode about MMT. So we know that, you know, a lot of us might uh, now uh, agree that taxes don't necessarily fund spending. So why is this an issue? If, if this is the case, why do governments, sh why should governments care? Well, because taxes still, matter when it comes to you know controlling deficits so they still look at that as a way to either increase their relative spending ability where they're standing now or to you know pay down some pre previous spending or some of them actually do still view it as you need these taxes to finance government which is actually with true with a lot of right. governments uh so they definitely they definitely need that money so, um, but is it is it just a tax revenue thing, or is there any other implications with this allow, allowing this to continue? Um, or what are, what are the other implications? I mean, justice, general, like a lot of people think. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people think you have to be bound to your country's laws. Like you can't travel outside of that jurisdiction. Otherwise, I don't know. Well, I, w I would say that uh, justice plays a huge part of it. If, um, if a country has a lot of people that are ignoring their taxes and not paying them, then you get situations where the uh, – like in Greece where I think they said 60% of people don't pay the proper amount of taxes 
that they're 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 owed, and you cause so, societal problems when that that's the case because it becomes a a culture of uh, blatant uh, law ignoring. This wasn't exactly money laundering. I it's just kind of an example is that when our uh, good friend Muammar Gaddafi was still with us uh, <laughs> fighting the good uh, fight against the imperialists. Uh, a lot of times throughout the world, you'd have a uh, kidnap for ransom. Uh, things come up where uh, you'd have these groups who would take some local hostages. And a lot of times their release would be secured by you'd have these Middle Eastern governments who would pay him to then pay them. So, you know, almost like a, an escrow or kind of an honest broker where, you know, he would get assurances from people to release the hostages and then he'd pay them money. But it's kind of a convenient way for them to just take more hostages and then have big checks written, handed over to Gaddafi. And then you can basically fund terrorism without trying very hard. You know, uh, you know, you couldn't hand a terrorist group a check directly, but you could certainly hand it to, you know, Gaddafi just to get some hostages released. And it kind of, it's a layer of plausible deniability. So it's not exactly money laundering, but it's a very related concept. So. Gotcha. So uh, politically, well, we are a political podcast. Um, why, why is this important to talk about? Why is it important for people to pay attention to? Um, it brings to light the importance of uh, OECD common reporting standards. Uh, countries like what the U S um it's basically these countries, they all share tax information with each other. And it really helps uh, fight money laundering and uh, offshore like hiding of uh, money. But countries like the U.S. aren't part of it. I'm guessing the U.K. Aren't, isn't part of it because the Cayman Islands is part of the U.K. So if they're not right. following these standards, I mean, who knows if there's some weird uh, agreement there or not. But there's a lot of countries that if they joined that, this problem would go not away, but it would be... a greatly mitigated is there is there any implications uh, along party lines for this or, or are we uh is this a uh non-partisan issue either for either being like yeah we should be able to do this or being or not you know rhetorically you might have uh, elements of the right they're a lot more open uh, about their support of it whereas uh you know on the further left side there's still support for it it just you know has to be Presented differently, just denied. Right. Oh, I'm just trying to uh, trying to protect my stuff from my greedy wife, <laughs> or husband. Oh, well, I just mean with like Democrats and Republicans. I mean, Republicans are going to be more brazen about supporting this sort of thing, and Democrat right. politicians tend to vote in support of it. You know, uh, Chuck Schumer certainly wouldn't turn it down, but uh, you know, right. rhetorically, it doesn't play as well with the voting base on the left. So, you know, they mm. have to be a little more delicate about it what why do you think that is though why do you think there that uh some republicans might be more open about their support of money laundering especially given you know people like the tea party uh supposedly well, i don't think it's support of money laundering sort of i think it would be or, more not about, money laundering. i'm sorry ta avoiding taxes just they're generally liberal when it comes to taxes you know they more often think you should be allowed to do what you want with your money so any way to avoid taxes in some way, legal or not, they're generally more likely to uh, support. Yeah, it's an easy position to take when you're uh, either anti-government or just 
pro small government and you believe uh-huh. that it's your money and taxation is theft, you know, it's really ideologically simpatico to just uh, look at mechanisms for not paying taxes as totally legitimate. So we would think that, so what we're saying is that uh, basically because a lot of people on the, on the right side of the politi- American political spectrum believe that taxes are theft, that no one really cares if anybody avoids taxes. Is that, or no, not nobody, but people on the right are less likely to. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's ideologically, it's a much easier sell with them. And certainly there are people within the right as well that, uh, you know, like, for instance, Tucker Carlson, who will call uh-huh. this sort of thing out and, you know, realize that you have big money that's basically, you know, gaming the system and playing by different rules. Uh, that is limited, but there are certainly people out there, you know, on that side of the spectrum that see this and uh, do not approve. Okay. Yeah, in America, it's pretty easy to find, you know, left is supportive of taxes, right is they're going to resist it more. Obviously, not all of them think it's theft and this and that, but there's shades of red, we'll call it. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I would I would probably agree with that a lot. I, I would also say that um, at least with the federal government, I think people um, are more likely to see tax, taxes uh, as theft on the federal government side than the uh, state government because, you you know, if you're not paying your state government taxes, then your roads are not being repaired and, you know, your police force isn't being funded. These are things that directly impact you while, you know, the federal government, you know, you got this EPA that's coming down on my rights to go logging in my backyard and feed my cows and stuff like that um or or uh you know those welfare leeches over there taking my money and going and buying bonbons and i know that's a dated rhetorical thing but that's what it is (laughs) fair enough there's an interesting contradiction there with uh the right wingers too because they tend to be uh more anti-globalist but if you're going to be uh, liberal yeah. with tax laws, especially international, you know that's a pretty globalist stance. I, I would think that the that they, the ones that are anti-globalist, actually don't like this. But at the same time, I think they would be more than happy to be partaking of it to screw other countries. Yeah, I mean, if you look at like the Tucker Carlson thing, I mean, you know, he would be for cracking down on this sort of thing. You know, from the nationalist standpoint, as far as like that's America's money and, you know, screw these other countries. And, you know, basically we should be using it for the betterment of America and not letting people avoid paying taxes and, you know, and keep it overseas. So that certainly would be, you know, a key element of that argument with them. For sure. For sure. I would also say that it's definitely more of a class issue, though. Um, I, I don't. There's there's class intersection with the ideology that we've been talking about, you know, Republicans and Democrats. I would say that um, the the uh, common quote unquote working man is more likely to find it to be unfair that co- companies and rich individuals are able to set up these shell corporations in order to avoid paying their taxes, while they themselves aren't able to either because they don't have enough money to do so, or they don't have the the knowledge or wherewithal because they're working, you know, 20, you know 50, 60 hours a week, and, and they just can't do it. And they're barely, you know, maybe not necessarily barely getting by, but getting by just enough, you know, um, and they would be more than more likely to see this as a, uh, a fairness issue uh, 
rather than it being a you know taxes or theft issue then we got to grow government government's got to get bigger because a lot of this tax evasion is illegal so mm-hmm. we can just enforce like, laws and get them that way yeah and and i think this brings up a good and interesting uh cross-section is that um republicans over the last 20 years have been staunch opponents of ex- of keeping the irs funded properly so exactly so when um they they instituted things like when a person retires from the from a, a government agency it's not just the irs but when a person retires from a government agency their position isn't necessarily refilled it goes over this complicated process of looking at to see if their position actually needs to be filled and if it doesn't quote unquote then they don't fill it and you have just you're getting smaller through attrition that way because they have you know certain budget restraints or or what have you so the irs itself does not have the requisite number of people working on staff to actually audit people properly i think there's um they can do one not even one percent of people of the people that t- pay taxes a year i think it's it's like tenth of a percent that they can actually do and anything else is just that is just outside of their ability to and it doesn't just in, in if impact you know these situations when the obama administration came in and they were looking at these uh patriot quote-unquote and tea party quote-unquote groups that were looking like they were looking um as if they were violating the uh the rules governing 501c4s and political action committees um they didn't have the resources to actually dive super deep into the data so they they looked at general things that might imply that a person was doing more political activity than educational activity because they didn't have the ability to go through and look at it uh in depth before starting the auditing process so do you think we should um, actually work to increase like the IRS's budget in order to properly regulate these things? Or do we think that um, it's one of those things that we just don't really need to do? I think we should increase it because I, I, I believe a lot of these people moving money overseas, they're not doing anything even ethically wrong. So the ones who are doing something wrong, like the ones evading taxes, if we can catch those mm-hmm. and to the point where we actually have a functioning system where we do catch the criminals, I think it'll be fine. But uh, we actually mm-hmm. have to increase the IRS to do that. Like we can't right. just starve the system and say, whoops, you know, cause then people are just going to confuse <laughs> all these legitimate processes, right. And, uh, uh, vehicles with something like just money laundering or evading taxes. Cause like I said, you should be able to move your money to another country. As long as you paid your taxes on it, like you earned it, you paid all your income taxes. It's legal. Sure, put it wherever. And if you bring it back, you might have to pay more taxes on that. But as long as you're not just skirting the laws, I think you could put it in the Cayman Islands if you want. Okay. Yeah, I would I would say that again, definitely I mean, from... that sounds a little too rosy now that I think about it to argue against myself. Because, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to be able to pierce these companies. It's, it's just not going to happen. The IRS isn't going to get into them. You, you don't like ever, even if, if we expand the it? domestic ones, maybe, or, I mean, you would have oh, okay. to have, you know, whoever manages the Cayman islands or I guess maybe Britain, if they do somehow exercise power over them, you would have to get them 
to go into it and then they would have to gotcha. share it with our irs i mean u.s domestic companies sure maybe but that's probably why people choose panama because they never know if the u.s government ever will just go right in there well when the money gets transferred back in if you can you know um during the audit process if you can trace it to its origins then you could you know find out if said person paid taxes on it and then do it that way though the irs doesn't have the yeah, no there are things either. we can do and we should definitely increase our efforts to do those better but um it's still going to have a this is going to be a big limit on what we can see okay i mean that's fair i mean if you were asking for solutions one of the ways we could lower the amount of tax evasion per se, uh, which you know, Europe has tried pretty successfully, is with the uh, value-added tax. So that's you know essentially a form of consumption tax. The only way to really get around that is to under-report the amount of sales that an individual organization is doing. Uh huh. But that's uh, something that's you know on a small scale you know possible, but for larger corporations. That gets really dicey. You know, it's hard for them to cook the books like that, and you know, a lot easier to catch them than maybe like right. a you know cab driver or something. Yeah, but in order for that to target the the things that we are talking about, wouldn't the there have to be like taxes on like real estate deals and I don't know um, art <laughs> and uh, classic cars and things like that? Because I know that. Say, so go ahead. Oh, absolutely. I know that um, the a lot of a lot of uh, VAT tax advocates or fair tax advocates are opposed to those sort of things. They want to um, only tax, um, put a tax on new goods and services, and avoid anything that would be an investment, considered an investment. So they don't want to tax real estate. They sure. don't want to tax. Well, a, a fair know, a fair tax is something totally different than VAT, but um, right, right. The uh, yeah, I mean, there's different ways to structure it where, uh, you know, you could raise it or lower it uh, on certain types of goods on like luxury mm -hmm. goods versus, uh, you know, needed staples and all that. And, you know, certainly it's something that could be tailored, you know, towards, uh, you know, certain investments or types, you know, as needed if you decided that that was a higher priority. I mean that's fair. It's a fair, that's a fair thing. I I was um I used to be a very big proponent of uh, a VAT tax or a sale or some sort of sales tax. Um, I just simply don't trust right now the way the government our government is ideologically split to do it in a way that is actually fair, and uh, that's my reservation for it. Mainly is that I would I'm a I'm worried that it would be regressive. Uh, I mean, you know, potentially, but the system we have now is also terrible. So, oh yeah, the system would be, is it would be garbage. But I mean, even 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 that, like a lot of, um, you know, the European countries, they don't they have an income tax on top of a VAT tax, so it's not like it's going to one's going to replace the other. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it, it certainly could. Uh, it just would depend on how far we want to take it, right? Or it, it could lower the amount of income taxes. You know, there's a lot where it could put people into categories where they're no longer paying or they're paying a substantially smaller amount. Mm -hmm. And with that, everybody, I am sad to say that we are out of time. Be sure to comment, like, subscribe, and share us with your friends. And as always, keep your head up through the political storm.